Monday, Tet Vav Iyar, Taf Shin, Ayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Chaim Yisrael with Mitocha uh, Hastara opens things up here on this week's edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We are coming to you on the Nachum Siegel Network as we do each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM. 
9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. So many ways to listen. You can do it on the web at NachumSiegel.com or via the app, which is available for free on the App Store, both the iTunes and on the Android App Store. And you can uh, subscribe for a podcast via iTunes, so many different ways, and they're just, um, they're very easy. So uh, if you need help, we'll ha- be happy to help you. Just shoot us an email, mayor at nachomsegel.com, mayor, M-E-I-R, at nachomsegel.com. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. We are, uh, we are so thankful, really, really thankful to all the people who have been Lighting us lately on the Facebook page. It is important for us that we get more people. We're currently at 376, and we appreciate it. Tell all your friends that you think might be interested in the Israel show that we're here. Um, we are going to spend um, today's show trying to analyze and really break down into its components all the stuff that went on last week and continues to go on this week in Israel in the politi- on the political scene. It's not over. It ain't over until Lieberman sings. And it ain't over. He's playing some more uh, last-minute games. But that's what politicians seem to do. We'll tell you all about that uh, right after this next song. Shiri Golan put out an album of um, songs in uh, tribute to Shoshana Damari. This is Hayule Lot, a classic of Israeli music, Shiri Golan. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Bamish <laughs> 
Golan, Hayu Leilot, <clears throat> off of the album Tribute to Shoshana Damari. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to today's Zero Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your week. So what happened last week in Israel? Oh my gosh. The political intrigue and uh, the ins and outs. We will try and cover it all for you. Going back for a moment to the elections that took place a little over a year ago in Israel... You may remember, at the time, that um, we figured that Netanyahu's government, I shouldn't say that, we figured that the right wing in Israel had won approximately, or had the support approximately of 70 Knesset members. means... Right-wing voters in Israel, those who are against Oslo, against the two-state solution, those who are more, um, want to be tougher, and so forth, they voted the value of approximately 70 Knesset seats, which 
should have been a very nice and comfortable majority. Sadly, a couple of things happened. First of all, Eli Yishai's party, that got the equivalent of about three Knesset seats, uh, just missed the threshold. You need to reach a certain threshold. I believe it was four seats. And they just missed it. So their three to four Knesset seats just disappeared into Israeli election heaven. The potential for their three seats, I should say. And then, the big surprise was that Avigdor Lieberman's party, Israel Beitenu, which has always been a right-wing party, shocked everybody. They, ha- they went down dr- dramatically in their power. They went down to six seats, and they shocked everybody and refused to join the Netanyahu coalition, and what remained was the narrowest majority possible. Netanyahu was prime minister, but the power that he had came from a majority of 61 out of 120, a very precarious situation to be in. You see, it gives great power to every backbench Knesset member who can blackmail the prime minister at every crucial vote. People that that nobody's ever heard of, that have no history, have no, I should say, no history of getting anything done necessarily or accomplished, can go up against the prime minister and hold him up and say, this is a stick-up. Either I get what I want or I'm not going to vote for the budget, I'm not going to vote for an important law and so forth, and bring down the government effectively. The last such situation happened when um, two members of the Likud, who are of Ethiopian descent, tried to blackmail the prime minister into agreeing to bring to Israel the remaining, I think they're called the Falashmura, who it seems are not Jewish. It seems that everybody admits that they're not Jewish, but they somehow were associated with the Jewish community, and they wanted uh, the state of Israel to bring them to Israel because, quite frankly, their life would be much better in Israel. And they were holding up the um, process of the budget and so forth, saying we won't vote if we don't get what we want. And that's obviously very frustrating. And uh, you can't really govern that way. Well, Netanyahu had enough of that. And... uh, He's also very concerned about some possible unilateral actions by President Obama after the November election. There's a lot of talk in Israel about that. There's a lot of fear that President Obama will either do or not do something. Meaning, for example, if at the UN there's a proposal brought up to um, to accept um, the quote-unquote Palestine as a state to give it statehood. In the past, the United States always vetoed that. Obama might decide not to veto that. Uh, He might not do something. Or he might force Israel's hand in some area. And I think Netanyahu is very concerned about that because we see what President Obama is doing. We see it on a regular basis and on a domestic level. All kinds of executive orders that he's doing at the, uh, during this last year of his presidency, um, where 
it, it's almost lawless what he's doing, really. He's not going to Congress. He's just doing what he wants, letting in immigrants, letting in uh, Mexican immigrants in the border, letting in Syrian immigrants, and just too bad if you don't like it. And I think um, and, uh, observers in Israel also think that this is a concern. So the prime minister doesn't want to be in a situation where he's got a teetering, tottering coalition. And so he was looking for a way to bolster his his um, coalition and, and to give him a, a, a better, more secure seat as prime minister. And that's where... Bougie Herzog comes in. You see, this is a country that's led by Bibi, Bougie, and Bogie. <laughs> I know it sounds like the Three Stooges, and some people think it is, but it's not. You see, Bougie Herzog, that's his nickname. His real name is Yitzhak Herzog. And he is named, by the way, after his grandfather, who was the chief rabbi of the state of Israel, Harav Yitzhak Isaac Halevi Herzog. He, in fact, served as Ashkenazic chief rabbi at the same time that my great-grandfather, Harav Uziel, served as Sephardic chief rabbi, and they had a very close relationship. But that doesn't really mean anything in our situation right now. That was just a little historical aside. And so, Bougie Herzog is in charge of, he is the leader of the Labour Party, the, the party that really ran the country from 1948 to 1977 with an iron hand, the party of Ben-Gurion, but it's gone through many, many twists and turns, and during the last election, they branded, rebranded themselves as the Machane Hatzioni, the Zionist camp. And with little exception, they have been out of power since 1977, actually May of 77, when Menachem Begin shockingly won the election. So we're going to take a break here. We'll get in some more music, and then we'll continue telling you about what the next step was. We have Netanyahu looking to broaden his base of power. We have the head of the opposition, Mr. Herzog, who would be thrilled to get some job as they have been out of power for so many years. And how does that play out? My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here's Udi Davidi with Min Ikolech. <laughs> בשבילים עצובים שיבשו עד תום
Udi Davidi with another great number. Mini Kolech, Mi Bechi Veinayich Medima, alluding to our Mama Rachel. Mayor Weingarten, in for, in for now, I'm saying, no, no. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. That happens on, on both sides. Sometimes I'm filling in for Nachum Siegel and I say, it's Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Israel Show, and sometimes on the Israel Show I'll say, it's Mayor Weingarten filling in for Nachum Siegel. Just, the tongue just sort of like gets into um, autopilot. We're talking about the Labor Party that rebranded itself as Machane HaTzioni. This is the twists and turns of the politics in Israel last week. So, the Labor Party, every single election, they lose, and then they have a new, a new leader, figuring, oh, this guy wasn't good, we'll take the next guy. Whether it was um, Shelly Yechimovich, or um, Amir Peretz, or uh, one after the other, just, you know, Ehud Barak back in the day, and just on and on. They don't have the patience to have somebody build up a, a, a party base and so forth. No, you didn't win, goodbye. It sounds a little crazy, but that's the way it works. Everybody's very impatient. So, the Labour Party, as I said, since 1977, when Menachem Begin um, won the election for the first time since the creation of the State of Israel, imagine from 1948 until 1977, the State of Israel was controlled, was ruled by one party. It sounds almost like the, the dictatorial situation. They had elections and everything. But people always voted for the Labour Party, and that's why and how and so forth for another day. But since 1977, the Likud, again, in different variations and forms, has been in power for almost the entire time, although it's been close 
uh, and at times the Labour Party ruled, and at times there was a joint unity government. So the Labour Party today is viewed, I think, by most Israelis as a pathetic group of has-beens. You know, they were big ones, they did great things, they started the state of Israel, they founded the state, they built the kibbutzim, all that. But they're, they're, right now they're quintessential losers. Of course, they don't see themselves that way, they, they take themselves very seriously. Um, and so Netanyahu began a long process of negotiations with Yitzhak Buzi Herzog, the head of the Labour Party, the Machaneh HaTzioni, and most I, analysts agree, I believe, that this was a sincere negotiation on both parts. Netanyahu wanted Labour to join him. They had 20, 24 seats in the Knesset. That would really boost his coalition, give him a very strong majority, and it would also balance out the political viewpoints. Because right now, the coalition is very right-wing, this would give the coalition a balance, and if the United States or Europe would come down hard on Netanyahu or on Israel's right, which they often do, Netanyahu could send Herzog to calm them down. No, you see, we're also in the government. We also have a say. Basically use them as a, as a fig leaf, some would say. But I, I, it makes sense that that was the intention. And it's good for everybody. Because they get jobs, they get ministerial positions, they get a seat in the government. Maybe they get certain policies, actually. And Netanyahu gets, gets cover. This negotiations was go, were going on for two weeks. And what became clear as the negotiations were going on between Herzog and Netanyahu, that the members of Herzog's party, the members of the Labour Party, those that he was bringing to the table, these 24 seats that he was bringing to the deal, were not interested. And you have there a group of people who want Herzog out, they believe he's not a good leader, he's not a strong leader, he's not charismatic, he can't win an election, and they want to take over instead, whether it's um, Tsipi Livni, or Shelly Yechimovich, or others in the party that want um, to push him out and take over. So they're saying, we hate Netanyahu, we ran against Netanyahu, we kept saying that Netanyahu is a disaster for the country, why would we want to go in with Netanyahu? And as time went by, more and more people in the Labour Party felt that Herzog is embarrassing himself and embarrassing the party, and ultimately, there's no point in doing this. Now, Netanyahu has a very bad track record, because he has a track record of basically self-survival, of using people chewing them up and throwing them out, spitting them out, time and time and time again. And the Labour Party was very concerned that that's what would happen with them. Of course, the people who negotiate are always blinded by the possibilities of the job. So if Herzog was offered to be the Minister of Foreign Affairs, which was probably the offer on the table, so that's a very, you know, that's very enticing. Yeah. Now, of course, you'll rationalize and say, 
could do a lot of good things as Minister of Foreign Affairs. I can go around the world and help them understand Israel's position, blah, 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 blah. But it entices you, and like uh, like the Torah says, Ki ashochad ye'aver pikhim v'yisalef enei tzadikim, that people that would usually have a proper viewpoint are are so influenced by bribery, and this is just another form of bribery. So, it turns out that Yitzhak Herzog lost the support of his own party, and the most he could hope to bring with him to the coalition, if he makes a deal, would be 10 out of the 24 Knesset members, to which Netanyahu was sort of saying, no, I don't think so. Now, simultaneously, supposedly without Netanyahu's knowledge, other members of the Likud, Amiram Levine, the Minister of Tourism, and Zev Elkin, the Minister of Absorption, were having conversations with Avigdor Lieberman and saying to him, hey, you're going to miss the boat. Netanyahu is going to sign a deal with Herzog. And you're going to be out because your six seats won't be needed. And they kept talking and talking and slowly but surely bringing Avigdor Lieberman to the point that he felt that he's going to be in trouble politically if he doesn't move soon. And so the second the talks broke off with Herzog, literally, (laughs) Lieberman, Avigdor Lieberman said, if I'm offered defense minister and minister of absorption and other little things that we need, one of them being changing the law so that there would be capital punishment for terrorists, I'm ready to go. (laughs) Everybody in Israel was laughing at one thing. Over the past year, Netanyahu said about Lieberman, and Lieberman said about Netanyahu, the most vile things that you can possibly imagine. They, They showed such a tremendous hatred for each other that one can't imagine that they would sit together at a table, let alone one being prime minister and one defense minister is out, without a doubt, the defense minister is the number two position in the state of Israel in control of the army. But politics is politics, they say. You know how it works. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said those things. Yeah, it was a moment of uh, don't, don't judge a person during his moments of, of anger. That's always a good way in Jewish life to get out of it. You quote that Gemara. Um, and so, as the talks with Herzog were breaking down, the possibility that Lieberman would come in was going up. There's one problem. Lieberman. Yeah, Lieberman wants <laughs> Lieberman wants to be the Minister of Defense. But there is a Minister of Defense. He's a member of the Likud. He's a senior member of the Likud. He's a former Chief of Staff of the Army. While Lieberman has no Army experience. Bogi Yalon, Moshe Bogi Yalon, has been having some difficulties with Prime Minister Netanyahu of late, 
But would the Prime Minister just snatch away his seat and give it to Lieberman? We'll continue the story right after this next um, this next number. This is uh, Nigun by Anat Malmud. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Nigun here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Wagat, and you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, the Israel Show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, a wonderful, wonderful organization that is dedicated totally to helping people make Aliyah. Can you can you ask for a better uh, a better cause? It is an amazing thing because. I, you know, when I was growing up, we we made attempted aliyah. <laughs> um, we uh, we went to Israel. My parents were very excited about it. We were there for two years, and it was difficult difficult situation. It didn't work out, and we came back. But we tried. But most of the people around us didn't even think about it. It wasn't even an issue. Aliyah was just like what? Like what? you serious? It was too good in America. It wasn't so great in Israel. That's not like it now. It's actually better in Israel, I believe, than in America on many levels. So, nefesh benefesh. And that's another reason people make Aliyah. Because this 
the bureaucracy that used to exist is is replaced by the amazing ease with which you can make Aliyah using the services of Nefesh Benefesh. They give financial needs-based financial aid, employment resources. They help you with all the bureaucracy, which they have cut down tremendously, help you with absorption, all kinds of things that one needs. They provide it in a most beautiful way. Their charter flights are legendary, and they have made Aliyah an in thing for, uh, for American Jews. For detailed information, visit their website, www.nbnnefesh.org.il. nbn.org.il. The Israel Show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, revolutionizing Aliyah. And so we're telling you the saga of last week's Israeli political machinations. And we've reached a point where it seems that Prime Minister Netanyahu and Avigdor Lieberman, the head of the Israel Beitenu Party, reached reach an agreement. And Netanyahu now has a coalition instead of 61, of 67. That seems cool. By the way, Netanyahu and Lieberman truly hate each other. <laughs> truly. And they know that they hate each other, and yet they've, because of of certain shared values that they have, and because of the political expedience that they need each other, they have gone together many times. But when going together, they know that they're basically getting together with somebody who they hate, (laughs) which is what they say about politics, makes strange bedfellows, right? So... Netanyahu gives Lieberman the defense ministry. But as we said, there is a defense minister. His name is Moshe Bogia alone. So, I don't, I don't get it. You might say, I don't get it. What's he doing? How can he give the same job to two people? Oh, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. One of the two people is not going to have the job anymore. And guess who it is? It's former chief of staff of the Israeli army, current defense minister for quite a number of years, Moshe Bogiyalon, who is a um, little bit of a, a, a grayish figure in the sense that he's a little dull, a little boring, talks slowly, but is very well respected in Israel. Why would Benjamin Netanyahu agree to throw out his defense minister who as we say is well respected in Israel and give it to somebody who we also say we also seem to all agree he hates Avigdor Lieberman who has no military experience whatsoever so for that you have to understand a little bit of the history of Bogiyalon and the last few months where there seemed to be a rift, which was a chasm, which was just growing and growing between the two. Yalon, without a doubt, like many people in Israel, has a tremendous, tremendous merit, a schut, when it comes to the work that he did for the security of the state of Israel. 
he grew up in Haifa area on the left of the political spectrum. He was a kibbutz member, was a member of the uh, youth movement of the labor parties, the socialists. But over the decades, seeing the realities on the ground, he slowly shifted to the right. I mean, there's certain people that have that honesty, that intellectual integrity to say, look, I believed in this, but I see that it's not working. I see that I was wrong, and I'm ready to now come and embrace the other side. It, it takes not only intellectual honesty, it takes tremendous amount of guts, because you're basically going against the trend, against your friends, against the, the um, social group that you're part of. It takes a lot of guts. I sometimes think about it. What if you know, one day it, certain things would become obvious, and I would see that, oh, my God, I've been mistaken all these years, and Satmar is right. But I have the guts to say, you know what? I, I was wrong all my life and be willing to cut my ties? I don't know. I hope I would be, but thank God I didn't have to yet. <laughs> anyway, he slowly made his way to the right. He and, and when he left the army, he joined the Likud. By the way, one of the reasons he his, his army uh, service as chief of staff as the number one man it was cut a bit short, was because he was against Ariel Sharon's proposition um, of expelling all the Jews from Aza. He was against it. And he sort of couldn't agree to go along with it. And when it came down time to do it, his, his tenure was not extended to the usual additional three years. So he served three years. Usually they serve for six, three and three. But uh, he didn't. So he actually lost. He was ready to put his money where his, where his mouth was. He was ready to lose his position because he believed. And he said, he, he said very openly that doing this will, will basically give um, support to the terrorists. And he was right. Um, he, over the past, I don't know, couple of years, but surely over the past year, started believing that there is an element in Israel, mainly the Haradal element, the Haredi Leumi element, that are mainly to be found in Yehudan Shamron. He believed that they are a growing threat believe it or not, against the army and the state of Israel. For example, the horrific act of burning an Arab child by young Jews who were part of that Haredi Leumi group and other incidents, he felt that that was a growing concern. And although it wasn't politically expedient to talk out against it, he felt that he must. And so when, months ago, we've discussed this at length, an Israeli soldier shot an almost dead, neutralized terrorist, the army, taking its cue from Yalon, announced a very strong prosecution. They were going to prosecute him 
on the count of murder, believe it or not. The public was outraged. And the Prime Minister, realizing where the public was, ended up sort of supporting the, the soldier who shot. Called the father of the soldier. He offered him a supporting shoulder. And Ya'alon was very upset and believed that this soldier must be condemned. Then, on Yom HaShoah, the deputy chief of staff, the number two man in the army, compared certain trends in Israel. What trends? Well, I think now it's obvious. The trends that he saw of the Haredi Lu'umi youth. And he felt, just like Ya'alon probably feels, that they are a threat to the Israeli democracy and therefore the deputy chief of staff made the crazy um, comparison to pre-war Germany. Certain trends in Israel were reminding him of pre-war Germany. The government was outraged. Netanyahu really forced the army to put out a retraction, an explanation, whatever it was. The officer, Yair Golan, did not apologize, but the army put out a statement. Ya'alon, one imagines, agreed with Yair Golan. He agreed with that statement. And he stood by him. He definitely supported him. Not only that, he doubled down. The defense minister doubled down, and a few days after that, he encouraged officers to speak out, even if their opinion is not accepted, does not go along the party line, it goes against all the previous rules. You should speak out and say your opinion. Now that is never the way it worked in the army. You were not allowed as an officer, in general, as a soldier, as a member of the army, to talk politics. Can you imagine if in the army everybody would start giving their political opinion? The fractures would be tremendous. And when Yalon said that, it was—it almost seemed to be that he was not—he was driving in that last nail of his own coffin. What he was thinking, I don't know. Whether he thought that he was doing the state of Israel justice by pointing out these issues, I don't know. But one thing we know for sure: Netanyahu wasn't having any part of it. He was quite fed up with Yalon, and so it sort of worked out fine. When Lieberman said, I'll join the coalition, I just want to be the defense minister. He could have been, by the way, Lieberman could have been the foreign minister. He was previously foreign minister. And there is currently no foreign minister in Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu is the foreign minister. In addition to the prime minister and minister of a bunch of other things. But no, he wanted the defense ministry. And so Netanyahu, according to the reports, I don't know if this is true or not, supposedly he called Ya'alon and just basically said to him in a very short conversation, I'm sorry, I'm going to need your, your position because I have to give it to somebody else. Wow, that's tough. He was defense minister for a long time. And he now is being told, and he's being sent home, so to speak. Actually not. He was supposedly offered another job. But... Um, he was, he was take, being taken away from the position that he loved and that he was very qualified for, and that position was being given to somebody else. Yalon 
what would he do next? Well, he was angry. He was angry by the months of strained relationship. He was angry with the rude coup d'etat, the way he viewed it, of Netanyahu taking him away. And he decided to resign, not only that he would not be a minister, but he would resign from the Knesset. As a member of the Likud, he resigned. He said, I'm taking a break from politics. As of today, the negotiations with the Lieberman party have not been finished. There's all kinds of dealings there. However, one has to assume that they'll find it. Everybody will play the game of chicken. Who blinks first? And somebody will bring first. And then they will have this government. Ah, how many are in the government, you might say? 67? No, because one member of Lieberman's party, he had six seats, decided she's leaving the party. No, no, she's not leaving the Knesset, she's leaving the party. And in the insane world of Israeli politics, even though you were elected, not personally, her name is Orly Levi Abukasis. I believe she's the daughter of former minister David Levi. Even though you're not elected personally, you weren't elected, Orly, your party got a a mandate and you were on the list. So if you want to resign, you should actually resign from the Knesset and let the next person on the list come in. But in the crazy rules of the Israeli politics, she could resign, take her seat with her, and join up with some other party. She would have to join up with someone else after a certain amount of time. So now the coalition's down to 66. One nice unintended consequence. We'll end off with this. As Yalon resigns from the Knesset, so the next in line on the Likud slate becomes a Knesset member. And who is it? If not, Yehuda Glick, a wonderful young man, religious Zionist, who miraculously recovered from a terror attack. If you may remember this about, what was it, two years ago? He was shot point blank, literally right in front of him, a terrorist shot him and then ran, got away on a uh, motorcycle. Thank God he was caught and he was killed, the terrorist. But it, everyone felt that Yehuda Glick would, it, it is basically dead. And miraculously, he recovered. And now, he this morning, he was sworn in as the newest member of Knesset. Where does this leave everybody? Who are the winners? Who are the losers? So it would seem that Netanyahu is the winner. Yet another amazing political, uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what to call it anymore, uh, a, a maneuver, intricate maneuver, that um, leaves him in power but gives him even more power, a stronger base. Winner, if this works out, a Victor Lieberman. Loser, Yitzhak Buzi Herzog, without a doubt. And somewhere in between is Moshe Yalon, although he lost his job, he, he retains his dignity, which is uh, more than one could say, let's say, for Herzog. So, I hope that helped. I hope it helped you understand the situation in Israel. This was a very particularized show, really tried to focus on this one topic and break it down for you, and I hope it worked. And uh, next week we'll go to our usual format of... Um, giving you a potpourri of things going on in Israel. We have lots of stuff that we haven't covered. The Mayor Dagan interview, which, uh, which is shocking and surprising. Mayor Dagan, who passed away, the former head of the Mossad. 
and many other stories to tell you about, which we will on the coming weeks. Uh, as uh, Lad Bomber is coming up, we're very happy that uh, we'll be able to go back to our regular song format where we play all kinds of music. We'll be out of the Omer format, Spirit Omer format. And uh, Yom Yerushalayim is coming up as well, June the 5th. Oh, we'll see how that works out. We're going to end off with, um, it's still a Sphere format song, but it's uh, an upbeat message. Eretz Tova Eti Levi. So many of our listeners love it, and um, so we're dedicating it to you. We do that after we say thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments, and there have been so many this uh, week. And we will post after the show onto our Facebook page links to the songs that we played today so that you can watch the videos on YouTube, listen to the songs, and enjoy them whenever you want. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you to nice guys, do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. והדבש במענות של קרב שהשקט בגועש זה מה שיש זה מה שיש ארץ טובה והעורר נחל ארנון ארץ תקווה ארץ חיטת העינה ורימון, ארץ טובה, הבטחתי לך, הבטחתי לך. למשה היא ניתנה כחוק, הוא לקח אותה בלי לבדוק, כן לוקח, לא חושש, זה מה שיש. This is Thank <laughs> you.
Thank you. 